Today on the Josh Towner Show, we're dialing up my buddy Drew to talk about the Jimmy Butler trade, the Chicago Blackhawks firing Coach Q, and what that means about the team's future. I must apologize, today's episode did have some technical difficulties, so we're relying on backup audio, which means it sounds like everything is going through a phone call. Welcome to the Josh Towner Show. I'm Josh Towner, journalism student and staff writer for QNS. I'm in my makeshift studio in Brooklyn. It's currently Saturday afternoon. The Blackhawks are on, and we are on the line with Drew Dolman. Drew, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am hanging in there. It's uh, It's been an interesting week for Chicago sports. We had rumors of a Chris Bryant trade from the Cubs. We had the Bulls losing games. And unfortunately for the Blackhawks, Coach Q is no longer hanging around. Yeah. It's a rough week for Chicago. Very, very disappointing week. Although we can take consolation in something. And that is that Jimmy Butler has just been unceremoniously traded away from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Jimmy Butler notoriously a former Chicago Bull. We we took a lot of heat for the initial return that we got on the trade for Jimmy Butler, but then after a season and some spare parts in Minnesota, they got a worse return back from the 76ers where Butler was just traded to. Uh, Drew, what are your thoughts on, on Jimmy Butler getting shipped to Philly? You know, it seems like the locker room was just always – fighting. So I think for Minnesota, they're definitely benefiting. I've seen some, some good memes already mm-hmm. about uh, Kat and Andrew Wiggins seem to be pretty excited. Phillies, I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's it's just going to cause some more issues in that locker room now. Because there's already some big big egos in that mm-hmm. locker room already with Joel and Bead. So yeah. it might it might be interesting. Who knows? It might work out. It might not. I would lean on it not working out as well for Philadelphia. I think great move by the Timberwolves to get them out of there. Anytime you can recoup some value like that. I mean, they got Robert Covington, Dario Sarge, and 2022 second rounder, which second rounders are not usually valuable picks, but this one could be 2022, could be the season that uh, high schoolers are allowed to enter the draft, deepening that draft a little bit. I would say on the Sixers' end, it was necessary for them to take this leap. They have not looked like an elite Eastern Conference team to this point in the season. But I don't know if that was the right move. Obviously, Jimmy Butler was the most available star on the market right now. Mm, But they gave up Covington, who is, albeit he's a streaky three-point shooter, but he is a three-point shooter. Jimmy Butler is not known for being a great three-point shooter. He's usually in the low 30% on his three-point percentage. And that's really what they need to surround a guy like Markel Fultz, who refuses to shoot because he has forgotten how. And Ben Simmons, (laughs) a guy who refuses to shoot because he just is so (laughs) bad at it. Like, their two primary ball handlers can't shoot, and then J.J. Redick cannot be the only shooter on that team 
Right. Well, considering that JT Reddick barely misses, but mm-hmm. but yeah, say... Robert Covington was was a big part in that shooting mm-hmm. aspect of Philly. And Jimmy, like, he's pretty good inside the arc, mm-hmm. as we know. But as soon as he gets past that three point arc, it it starts to fade out a little bit. It does. I think Jimmy will help their defense a lot. And, oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, he'd just be another lockdown guy. Covington was pretty good. Sarich was closer, I would say, to a non-factor. Like you said earlier, I'm really concerned about this locker room cohesion here. <laughs> Obviously, Cat and Wiggins are two very I'm-not-going-to-say-anything kind of guys, so Butler right. had his way in there. But Joel Embiid is the biggest trash talker in the NBA and now we've got one of the fellow locker room the, cancer, Jimmy Butler, with him. He's literally one of the biggest players because of his social media presence. I don't know. It's, it's uh, going to be interesting, for sure. I'm excited to see what happens the next couple of days. I saw uh, the ringers Jason Concepcion tweeted out something along the lines of, it's going to be hard to see the rest of Markel Fultz's confidence crumble now that Jimmy <laughs> Butler is in the locker room. It's verbally abusing him. And oh, I'm I'm scared for Markel, namely. And I think Ben Simmons will continue to not say anything. He doesn't really have uh, too many facial expressions. Very quiet guy. And Joel Embiid like is the wild card here. I could see this going two different ways. I could see this blowing up after a couple of weeks and Embiid and Butler hate each other, which would then probably be about equivalent to Minnesota's locker room just before the trade. And then we could also see them become best friends and trash talk on everybody else, which I would actually really enjoy seeing. And I think most of the NBA would enjoy seeing. It's just Jimmy yeah. and Joel going on this tour of raining down verbal pain on the rest of the league. Maybe on poor Markel. He'll just be sitting there crying in a corner. Mark Markel was just starting to find his stride. <laughs> And now they've got Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy's like the older brother, just making him feel bad about himself. <laughs> just harping on him. Yeah. Markel. Get your threes, little loser. Markel, I'm playing video games now. Go outside. <laughs> you can't hang with my friend, even though Mom told you to. <laughs> can't. Sorry. I also think that there's a chance that we could see the return of the prestigious General Soreness. Uh, you know, he's a very well-established military member, General Soreness. The original General Soreness actually is not Jimmy Butler, though, who sat out a couple of games in the last week or so, allegedly because of General Soreness. We had the original General Soreness, and that was Derrick Rose. <laughs> Derrick Rose was boy. the original General Soreness. My boy. A salute to the commanders. Salute. Of the of the bench. Of the injured pleasure reserve. serving with you. What's a pleasure serving with those guys. I think the next step for the Timberwolves is going to be fire Tibbs. You, <laughs> moved, you moved Jimmy. Now the focus is solely on Carl Anthony Towns. And I could see a situation where Tibbs does not give Carl Anthony Towns the shots he requires and sticks him with, I don't know, 10 again, Cat could easily see double that. I, mm-hmm. With a better coach, 
for today's NBA, I think Cat could be one of the top scorers, at least out of bigs in the NBA. Oh, yeah. I mean, that guy, he's got it going on. He gets buckets. He does. He does. He, he's got all the boots. He's got, he's got those 2K, like, post packages all on gold. Like, <laughs> him and a B are, like, a few. And I guess Jokic, too, are, like, the bigs mm-hmm. that have the scoring ability. Not many bigs have that because they're all mostly clumsy and mm-hmm. like they they have two left feet, but like Cat and and Bead and to like have the ability to do those Hakeem dream shakes and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff to score the bucket. Like they can get twenty points easily every game. Oh yeah, it's like twenty points in the first half. Or do you think it's his first quarter? The thing about really Towns game is that it's so polished. And if he can get more of a focus in the offense, because Dario Saric is, I would say he'll get some decent usage, I think, out of a Tibbs system. So he'll get some touches. Covington will get a couple, but I don't think they'll replace the numbers put up by Jimmy Butler. I am concerned, however, that uh, Andrew Wiggins is just going to hijack this. I, I can see that happen too. He's like, and just suddenly, suddenly Wiggs is, Wiggs is the guy who thinks he's in charge. Yeah, he's going to be um, sitting there in the corner just, like, moving his hands, like, ha, 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 it's my team now. Yep, that's that's probably what he's doing this very moment. He's, just, he's like, oh, I got it now. For sure. All right, let's continue now. We're going to move on from the NBA news, and we're going to get into talking about the Chicago Blackhawks. Drew, I'm going to give you the next 60 seconds. Talk about your favorite memories of Coach Q. Well, first, rep to Coach Q. Over <laughs> silence for him. Okay, silence over. Um, three Stanley Cups. That mm-hmm. in six in six years. That's impressive. Not that's many. A lot. Not that's many. A lot. Not many teams do that. No. Um, so Coach Q bringing that those memories to us is pretty severe. Especially with like got big Haas. him under mm-hmm. Coach Q was worked really well. So seeing him end his career with the Blackhawks is good. But I mean, you can't really top three Stanley Cups. No. So uh, that's what we gotta thank Coach Q for. He's got a big legacy here in Chicago, and uh, I think also it's interesting to notice now we're in this period of uncertainty with the Blackhawks that leading up to Coach Q's arrival. The Blackhawks went to the playoffs like once in ten years or something yeah, close something, to that. Something like, like that. Like that was most of our childhood. Was right, when we were growing up and the Blackhawks were just not really a thing that was around. Right, right. We would be like, like the Bulls, it was like, it's like the Bulls now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say in a way. In a way. For me, the Blackhawks until Coach Q came was kind of like you'd be walking through Coles, you know, doing your. You're, you're shopping with your mom, and right. you would you would run over to the sports section, and you'd see, oh, they're they're all the Bears jerseys and the Bears shirts, and they're they're the Bulls stuff because Michael Jordan. Even right. though the Bulls were bad at the same time, I think they had more pedigree at that right. point in time. But and, you know, you would see the White Sox and the Cubs over there because baseball never dies. And then it would be like, oh, that's right, the Blackhawks are also a team in Chicago. <laughs> they have like one rack. It's like, oh, that's right. They also take up space in the United Center. One, one rack 
It's just like nameless one rack, jersey. and it's an yep. It's the nameless jersey. <laughs> it's got the chief iron on on the front of it. <laughs> Maybe the there's a number, small. but probably not. Yeah, it's just blank on the back. They're all small. It's like They're all small or quadruple XO. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing. In it. it either looks like a crop top or a or like an early version of the snuggie. Right. Right. It's so true. And then and then Coach Q came and he reinvented names. We had some good some good drafting. You know, we got Taze, Kane. Mm-hmm. We got we got Big Hoss, and then suddenly here we are winning Stanley Cups out of nowhere, really out of nowhere. And then came, Coach I Q's time came to an end. We had a slow start. I think we were 500 at the time Coach Q was fired. Is that correct? Yeah. Are we six yeah, and six and three? Six and six and two, I think it was. Okay. Or maybe maybe it was three. It was a frustrating start to the season. It didn't look like we were going to be going anywhere too fast. There's still obviously valuable pieces on this roster. Oh, yeah. But the first two lines are pretty good. The idea that we could compete for a Stanley Cup again in the Uh, foreseeable future, uh, probably. uh, It's like we could. We could. But it would be like. So many things would have to fall right. Exactly, exactly. Like, the rookie like, would have to, like... Brandon Saab would have to be a productive player, like... <laughs> somehow. Somehow. He did, somehow he scored two goals, like, three games ago, and I know... Yeah, we don't have to talk about that on the podcast, though. We can... <laughs> <laughs> sure you don't want to rant about him real quick? Uh, no, no, we don't. we don't need to do that. A lot of the questions right now with Coach Q gone are obviously about the future and about how GM Stan Bowman is going to handle things. Now, what what are your thoughts on Bowman as a general manager? Well, one of the reasons I heard that Coach Q was fired is that apparently the GM and Coach Q didn't get along. Mm-hmm. So Those rumors have since been, uh, I would say, both. I think both sides said – that's not true. But, but you know, I I tend to not believe that. You're obviously you're going to think sure. that when a coach who's won you three Stanley Cups is suddenly fired at the beginning of the season. Yeah, after five a five game loss, I, mm-hmm. it's kind of like Tyron Lue a little bit. Like you know, like when like loses a couple games in a row and then they just kind of and then cut suddenly the ties. we're just going to cut the cord. We're going to yeah. try something different. Yeah. So. I mean, I don't know much about the guy, but I just feel like maybe he kind of mm-hmm. just kind of went with whatever he thought was best, which was getting rid of Coach Q. But yeah. if he thought thought about a little more, if a guy can bring you three cups, three Stanleys in six years, mm-hmm. that's like a huge accomplishment. Like, and so I think it was a little quick to get rid of him so fast. Yeah. Now our new coach. Jeremy Colleton. Our new coach, Jeremy Colleton, is the youngest coach in the NHL. 33. In fact, when he was young, he played against Brent Seabrook, who is a player on the Blackhawks. I actually didn't know that. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And you're seeing this thing across the leagues of sports, especially in the NFL, where now you're getting these really young head coaches like Matt Nagy and the Bears. Matt Nagy's, I think, younger than Tom Brady, who he had to coach against a couple weeks ago. (laughs) 
or you have like Sean McVay, and you see these guys bringing in these revolutionary new offenses. And I don't think that hockey is in the same place as no. as other sporting worlds. Not um, really. It almost seems like he's just a young guy to have a brighter personality than Coach Q, which leads me to think that the Blackhawks are going to start tanking. Well, the thing is, like he coached the Rockford IceHawks last year, which was mm-hmm. which is the the Hawks affiliate team. Um, yeah, and everyone loves him. Like, apparently he was such a great coach, and, like, some of the guys that actually play on the Hawks now are, like, we're really excited to, to see him come up. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe it won't be as bad, but it'll definitely take a couple games for them to, like, start establishing a relationship with him. Yeah. So Especially so because Coach Q's tenure was pretty long. Exactly. To where, so like, and, and all the guys, for the most part, have been around for a while. Mm-hmm. You know. Like the first line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, first line, like Jonathan Case, Kane, and Seabrook and Keith are going to be like, what? Like You can probably throw Crawford in that bunch, too. That is true, now that he's that guy. Because he was gone for so long. Yep. Um, But, like, when they interviewed the Hawks when he left, like, it was kind of sad to see that, like, Jonathan Case was like, I feel like it was our fault that he, like, was fired. And I yeah. like, feel bad because that just shows that they had such a, like, a good connection with him. And they, mm-hmm. they, they're they taking the responsibility that he got fired. Yeah. And I think but, part of me thinks this is Stan Bowman looking at the state of the Blackhawks and saying, okay, we're going to have to do at least some retooling here, and we're not going to be the most competitive team for the next, I don't know, two or three years. Let's let Coach go. We're going to let Coach Q go and give him a shot to get a real competitor, somebody who's in a better financial situation. But part of me also thinks that this is a little bit of a rift between him, and since Coach Jeremy was so well-received with the affiliate team, it was almost like he was looking for an excuse to let Coach Q go, and get this young guy in here to start instilling his system while we're probably going to start getting an influx of young guys. So we now have mm-hmm. this new new thing to build upon. Yeah, like a young coach to young player relationship kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And just get a new system in there in general. Yeah. I mean, the guys, our old guys right now are not going to be around forever. Yeah. Obviously. Like, Seabrook's, like, what, 33, Crawford's mm-hmm. in his 30s. Kane, not necessarily in his 30s, but he's getting up there, same with Pace. Like, no, 30. yeah, Pace is in his 30s. Kane, I think, will turn 30 this month. Okay. Seabrook is 33. Kane Crawford's is 34. Too. Duncan Keith will like, be, I think, I think he'll be 40 at the end of his contract. Oh, wait, um, really? Yeah. Wow. He's 35 right now. Yep, here I have it. He's 35 right now. Brandon Saad, you would think he's 37. He's actually 26. Oh, wait. And we then... should just mention his name. Sorry. <laughs> Artem and Nisimov is 30. 30. So our, yeah. our core is not necessarily young. But the thing is, is that they're experienced. So mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got a lot cool. of rough, rough and tough vets. Yeah, exactly. Which is to the point so, where we're probably not going to get blown out a ton this season. But, no. you know, it's we're probably not going to win 
a ton of games. Right, for sure. So, Drew, do you think they should tank? You know, I don't – I love the Hawks, and I don't want to see them tank, but I think they mm-hmm. might have to. Especially We're in the same like, spot that kind of like the Bears and Bulls have gotten into here, where it was a couple of years ago when right. we had our core. We almost we almost went to the Super Bowl in 2010, and then we were kind of – we were on that brink, like 500, but, like, if we stay healthy – we could make the playoffs. We could make noise in the playoffs. And then Matt Forte's getting too old. We gave up on Jay Cutler. And was, the consensus was, let's start over. This didn't work out. Same with the Bulls. We had this suddenly this bright future, 2011, 2012. We were, like, right there. And right Derrick there. Rose gets hurt. Luol Deng gets shipped off. We start having Joaquin Noah have health troubles. And suddenly we're in the point where we can't keep this core together. Jimmy Butler's our last hope, but he's obviously not what exactly what everyone thought he was. And then he was for a split second. He was Mm -hmm. for a split second. He was for a short while. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's kind of where we're at with the Hawks is that we just gotta. This is now a new. It's rebuilding time. It's rebuilding Mm -hmm. time. And it's it's never fun. The Cubs did it for a century, (laughs) but. Is this kind of this reluctant acceptance of it that's starting to come over? I think pretty quickly the Chicago Tribune columnists were like, unfortunately, this is how it's got to be, and uh, I, I would agree with them. Part of what makes the Blackhawks needing to retool or rebuild here difficult is that we have eight big contracts that have no movement or no trade clauses. So starting off, we have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze. They're on contract through 2022-23. Uh, $10.5 million salary cap hits. Both are playing really well. Both are also about 30. They would get a good return on the market, but we can't move them unless they waive their clauses. I wouldn't like to see either of those guys go. That would be so painful to have Patrick Kane or Taze get shipped, even though I think it's almost necessary to get the Blackhawks to a better place. Uh, would not put me in a happy place. No, I think that Taze and Kane are like the the like staple. Like they're the embodiment right of, of the Blackhawks. Yeah, like the black and red runs through the blood. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, they're the team. They they are the team. That's exactly right. They are the team. Next, we've got Brent Seabrook. We he is already thirty three years old. Uh, Six point eight million dollar cap hit. So that already were. Right there, we're already at, like, $26, $27 million of our cap tied up between these three guys. Um, He's under contract through 23-24. He has a no-movement clause until 2021-22, after which he can submit a list of five teams that he can be traded to. In 2023 or 2022-2023, he has to submit that list, and then it goes up to ten teams in the final year of his contract. Um, I don't feel as strongly about Seabrook. I think it's funny that he's the same age as our coach right now. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. But he's, like, one of our defensive leaders. Like, he's (laughs) the one that's going to teach our rookies how to play South defense. And his contract's not too overwhelming, no. I think he would be. I think he would be worth hanging on to if we can get some more prospects. This is part of the problem. 
we've already got the, yeah. the three guys. We're like, well, we don't we don't really want to get rid of those guys. We want to keep these guys. We'll keep them because they've been right. here for a long time and they're exactly. they're our team, even mm-hmm. though they're on these big contracts and they're going to help us win games when in all reality we should be losing games. So this this makes the next guy easier to talk about. Brandon Saad, contract through 2020-2021, million. He's only 26, and he does not have any no-movement or no-trade clauses at any point in his contract. Why is he still on the team? Let's get rid of him. Seriously. The thing, that makes, the thing that makes me so angry is that – do you remember uh, Panarin at all? Mm-hmm. Redman? They got traded together the Blue Jackets, and what made me so angry with the Blackhawks front office is that Panarin was hinting that he would love to come back to Chicago, like he loved Chicago so much, and then mm-hmm. they picked up Sod instead. And then and got Panarin, Panarin is a point producer, like he could get 40, 50 he's ter- points. Yeah, he's tearing it up. So and easily. We have Brandon and then, Sod. And we have Brandon Sod. And like... And Panarin is younger than Todd, so we could mm-hmm. even have Panarin for longer. And I say we get get him out of here. Like I get him out ASAP. He he probably yeah. won't get too much. I think he's the kind of guy we'll have to keep towards the trade deadline and move him for a team hoping to make a push. Seeing yeah, if hopefully the new culture can get his play up. Yeah, we need we need Panarin back. The next guy. We don't have him for too much longer. It's Corey Crawford. He is under contract through 2019-2020, currently a $6 million cap hit, and he turns 34 on December 31st this year. Up there. Mm-hmm. But he looks healthy, and he's got he's got a lot of saves, even though the Blackhawks are letting up a lot of goals. We're also letting up just a ton of shots lately. So, yeah, it's – I, I think most of those goals aren't even his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, that comes with the young defensemen. Like, the, we mostly have, other than Seabrook uh, and Keith, everyone is a rookie or, like, maybe a two- or three-year player. And mm-hmm. they're just making a lot of mistakes. Like, the one rookie that is helping is Yogi Haru. He's a sin. His first year, he's doing really well. Yeah. Um, but, like, there's only so much that three defensemen can do. And, like, mm-hmm. there's only so much that Crawford can do. And yeah. I think Crawford has been playing amazing. I think he's doing so well for being out for so long. He's got some and, pretty I mean, he days. looks like he's healthy, so. Yeah, he looks really it's, good. And it's kind of a feel-good story to have him back. Yeah, it really is. And it – It'll be sad to see him go if he does go. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, around the league, I've been watching some other goalies. And if we ever get some of those, younger goalies have been – they're bringing their A game. So, I think if we can get a new goalie for Corey Crawford, because Corey Crawford's not going to go cheap. So, no, we'll have to get someone good for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a couple of young guys in the system, but – Nobody's even remotely close to playing as well as Crawford is right now. No, like I could backup. see Crawford again. I could see us keeping him while to be kind of like that back line and help out right. with our young defensemen. And then probably around the trade deadline or maybe even trade deadline next season, we move him as long as he stays yeah. healthy and keeps it up. We move him for 
some picks or some prospects. Yeah. We're going to keep going down the line. The next one, another guy that we don't want to give up, it's Duncan Keith. We've got him on contract through 2022-23. He's on a $5.5 million contract, and he's currently 35. He'll be 40 at the end of this contract. He has a full no-movement clause throughout the deal, so we can't move him unless he wants to get moved. I don't think he's going anywhere. Nope. I mean, considering that he's 35 and Seabrook is 33, like, these guys still got shoes, man. Like, they're playing Mm -hmm. really good defense. But like I said, there's only so much that they can do. Yeah. Like, because they're reaching – higher age, they're running out of gas faster. or mm-hmm. Which means we're bringing the young guys in more, get the fresh legs, the post guys on there when you're as good. And then, exactly. And yeah. Corey Crawford is just getting slammed. It's just getting slammed. Like, I saw this one stat. There's actually been a couple of stats, but, like, in past couple games, like, one period, they threw up, like, 30 shots on Corey Crawford. Like, Jeez. Most, most teams get 30 shots in one game. And they do it in a period. Unbelievable. Oh That's – and we've likely got more of that coming on the radar. Duncan Keith. Oh, yeah. One of the best contracts the Hawks have ever had. He's on a 13-year, $72 million deal. He's been so productive. He's so lovable. Like, oh, like uh, Just won a plus, silver stick. Let's keep him. Let's yeah, keep him. I say we keep him. They'll be like seeds. Like, they'll be great teachers. Like, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll teach these new guys coming in. And and the good thing about new guys is that they're really cheap. So yeah. we should be able to squeeze them in with the cap. Exactly. Um, next guy on the list in our eight biggest contracts, we've got Artem Anisimov. He is under contract through 2020-2021. He's a $4.5 million cap hit, and he is 30 years old. He used to have a no-trade clause, but it has been modified, so he has listed 10 teams to which he can be traded. So I say let's let's take advantage of that. Let's trade him. Yeah. I like Anisimov. He's a good player, but if we have a, if we have a chance to get something or a couple for him, I think we should just get him out. He, he's, a sturdy, he's sturdy enough that he should get some return. And yeah, while we are limited in who bad. we can deal with, but yeah, his contract's probably a little big, but we can move him. Yeah, we. I, I agree, we can move him. And the last guy on the list here is Connor Murphy. We've got him through 2021-2022, $3.8 million contract. He does not have any you know, movement clauses or anything. He's only 25, but he's also out with a back injury, which is always scary. Yeah. So, to be honest, I don't know much about Murphy, but... Mm-hmm. At this I point, he's like kind he, of an unknown. Yeah, I feel like it would it's be almost unfair to just trade him. Yeah, because what if he does turn out to be, like, a young Kane or even a parent? Like, what if he's really that good if we just don't know yet? Mm-hmm. He so, could be... Yeah. He could be really good. He could also be really bad. This back injury exactly. could linger. He's such an unknown, and he's only at three point eight million. We might as well hang him. Yeah, I don't feel like that's not as big as like Brandon Brandon Saad. We could. Mm-hmm. I'd rather right, keep so the young just, guys. 
let's recap here and run through all of our contracts. We've got Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze. Keep them. Brent Seabrook. Uh, keep him for now. We'll see as, for now. As, as times change. Brandon Thod, get him out yesterday. Kid, get him out so long ago. <laughs> get him out last year. Yeah, Corey seriously. Crawford. <laughs> Corey Crawford, we love him to death. Let's keep him for a couple of months. Yeah. And then get him get him out maybe this year or next year. Duncan yeah. Keith, keep him until the end of time. <laughs> Artem Anisimov, we can do without. Yeah. Connor Murphy, Unknown. the jury is out. Yeah, we will We will see what happens with him. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do some daily daps. Drew, what do you want to give some daps to this week? Okay, I want to give some daps to classic rock. Timeless music. It never gets old. And I guess another daily daps to records, because that makes the timeless music even more timeless. Sure. Just got to give some love to, like, ZZ Top. I actually recently got into some more classic rock this week myself. Yeah, baby. Uh, a little bit of Rolling Stones. Okay, okay. Maybe some Led Zeppelin. Oh, I kind of love some Led Zeppelin. Love some Led Zeppelin. Classic rock. You've heard it before. Go listen to it again. That's uh, not an official sponsor, just to make that clear. We are not officially sponsored by <laughs> Classic Rock, which leads me to my daily death, SeatGeek. We're going to cut that out. <laughs> but, no, that's actually going bloopers. You have to be bloopers now. Just, just if you've ever listened to any other podcast, you know, you know the big guys. Me and these Seat Ditch Fix, Seat Geek, Quip. Name me a podcast that hasn't had an ad for Quip. <laughs> that would have been so funny See? if we did. <laughs> that would have been so funny if your daily dap was a sponsor, like a read, a sponsor read. What's a read? <laughs> you guys ever feel like you're brushing your teeth wrong? All right. Um, <laughs> my daily dap this week is going to go to Star Wars Battlefront 2. But oh, the Star yeah. Wars Battlefront 2 that came out in 2017. I'm going to give it to the Star Wars Battlefront 2 that came out in 2005. Yeah, the real Star Wars Battlefront 2. Huge shout out. It is my favorite it. video game of all time. It was yeah. like the first video game I ever owned. I remember Christmas. Ran downstairs. There's a PlayStation 2. My younger sister had a Dora video game, Dora the Explorer. Big shout out. And I had Star Wars Battlefront 2. But what about that was Dora the Explorer game? <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 was the best video game I had ever played, and it is still the best video game I have ever played. And I don't think any game will ever replace what that means to me. Recently, one of my roommates found a way to get it for his PlayStation Vita, which is like a portable PlayStation, and the PSP. He's been playing it a lot, and I've I've heard it. I've heard the guns. He and I have been talking about it. I say, what map are you on? He says, I'm on Polis Mata, and nobody knows what that is, but I knew what that was because I played Star Wars Battlefront 2 as a child. 
religiously. So I found on G2A a copy of Star Wars Battlefront 2 for my computer for $5. For $5? For $5. And so this very morning that we are recording, Saturday, November 10th, I spent $5 and purchased Star Wars Battlefront 2. Right in the original. It's going down in history. You don't even have to go check this one out. You don't have to go play Star Wars Battlefront 2. You just have to know that that game, despite being 13 years old, still holds up. It's also $5. It's also $5, yeah. But it still holds up. It's a great game. That's a, that's a huge throwback. It's an amazing game. I remember I played that game with you. I played that game with almost all of my friends at at everybody's respective house, too. Right. Everyone owns it. You know, which I have a copy in my room right now. Mm-hmm. I, I have a copy on my computer with me here and in my home in Illinois. Yeah. That'll do it for today's episode of the Josh Towner Show. Drew, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm having a blast. Having a blast, too. It's a pleasure. We'll get you on again in the future. Yeah. Thanks, man. Sounds good. episode of the Josh Towner Show. This episode's music was composed by Jasser and is licensed under the Creative Commons. Today's episode was produced by me, Josh Towner, and recorded in beautiful downtown Brooklyn, New York.